When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. legend that if you say club 96 three times on a crowded dance floor i might awkwardly show up to the discotheque with my social anxiety and watch other people dance as i nervously sip a chocolate milk at the bar luckily we're broadcasting this episode of ew's binge podcast from club 96 where everyone is a superstar including me joey nolfi entertainment weekly's rupaul's drag race beat reporter and I'm EW's digital news director, Jillian Cedarholm. I'm just here because I inherited this podcast in Lady Bunny's will. She really was spiteful. I don't know what I would ever do if you were just like, and I'm Jillian Cedarholm, and then just said nothing after that. What would I do with my life? And, you know, even though I, I don't know what the fuck Jillian is saying, I'm living because together, just like All Stars 4 winners Monet Exchange and Trinity the Tuck, we are the co-champions of EW's Binge Podcast, otherwise known as The Place for Legends. Jillian, how do you feel about sharing that title with me? Honey, I don't know what you've been doing, what you've been eating, but your breath smells like you've been doing nothing but eating on assholes. I need you to fix that. Don't eat no more assholes. Do go see a dentist and then come back and say hello to me. I'm Jillian Closet, and I have something to say. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you, Jillian Closet, for providing me with the clip that I'm sending to HR immediately. And I, 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 <laughs> I never know how to react. I had a sassy quip to come back with you, but I, I now am speechless. I have no idea what to say after that. It was between um, that or me singing, you're my best Joey. <laughs> Oh, that little, the vocals, the vocals. I just, oh, wait, hold on. I have to take Satan's finger out of my ass. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Now we're ready to go. Um, for those of you who don't know, these are all references to RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Sport, which means it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Jillian, those those answers were just so genuinely moving. I got a shiver down my spine, which, no, actually, wait, you know what? That that was just the ooh-ah-on sensation passing through me. <laughs> I could go all day. Now, before Jillian unleashes a horde of bees into my wig, let's get into our full All-Stars 4 <laughs> recap. And I have to say, looking back on this season was a really unexpected delight. I, I don't remember the season being as fun as it really is in the moment of watching it, but there are so many quotes 
The personalities are great. The drama is really genuine and juicy. From Gia Gunn instigating pheromone in the workroom to the shocking eliminations of Latrice Royale and Manila Lazan to the Lala Perusa lip sync challenge where all the eliminated queens came back to lip sync for a chance to re-enter the competition. This really is one of the most dynamic and fun seasons out there. So it's only fitting that two winners were crowned, I think. What do you think and how did you feel about the dual winners twist? So I thought this season was so much fun. The thing I love about All Stars is that you both get the chance to see the queens that you already adore and endlessly want more of, as well as the queens who maybe you overlooked for whatever reason during their own seasons. And now they come back at the top of their game and you're like, oh, I do love you. And in All-Stars 1 through 3, it was really more of that first for me, just a bunch of faves coming back. All-Stars 4 was a lot of the other. Um, Monet, Monique, Trinity somehow were just not the queens I paid the most attention to on their seasons. And this time around, I just was like impressed by them, fell in love with everything they were doing and their looks. And seeing Naomi, who I did like on her season, but come back and really play around with being weird and out of the box was so exciting. And so for that reason, I really loved this season. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the tie, I'm actually really happy that this was a season that was spoiled for me going in as much as I hate spoilers, (laughs) because I think that if not, I think I would have probably found the tie unsatisfying. I think, honestly, if it were anyone winning tie or not that wasn't Manila just because I personally aesthetically what she was doing was the kind of drag that I personally enjoy so I was still rooting for her but when the tie came I knew it was coming so I was like fine I'm dealing with it but I think it's one of these things where you can't ever please the fan base if two of your faves are in a tie you're like yeah I want I want this to be a tie if two of your faves are in the top if you know you're not standing both of them you're like oh no like this is a robbery my fave should have been the only one. So, I mean, I think it's complicated, but of all the seasons, I don't know if this was the tie that I needed. I think that um, All Stars 1, Rujubi tie would have been the tie that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the tie and how and what did the, how did the fan base react? Because I don't know at the time. Mm-hmm. It was a mix. It was definitely people were, I think, if there, there was there was so, any possible opinion that you think could be out there on this tie, it, it was out there. There were people that were upset about it. There were people that were really excited about it. There were people that felt, well, I mean, I'm okay with it, but I kind of wish one queen sort of had the right to reign on her own terms without having to share it with the other. But I think Monet said it best uh, when I interviewed her right after she won. And she said, you know, look, what one queen can do, imagine what two can do now. We just have both of us out there in the world representing the show to the best that it can be. And I think I kind of tend to agree with that sentiment. I mean, is winning this show outside of putting coin into a queen's pocket, winning this show really doesn't mean a whole lot. Because as we see with people like Trixie and Katya and you know, the people that we're going to have on our show today, Naomi and Monique, it's like you've become a superstar whether you win or not. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, it's a title. It's great. It's prestigious. But I don't know. I was okay with it. I, I really didn't think it didn't take away anything from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my feeling. But I think the season, it also contains one of my favorite lip sync moments ever where Monet Exchange pulls off 
a blonde pussycat wig to reveal the same blonde pussycat wig underneath. And I just want to say there's a lot of noise out there of people saying that the season only had two winners because the show was bowing to pressures to get a queen of color into the hall of fame. And that is such a discredit to Monet. She had three victories, one lip sync victory. She did so well throughout this entire season. So I think Monet deserves every bit of glory that came her way after this season. But Valentina is also an interesting competitor on the season. She gets a lot of flack for being a sort of self-involved diva on the season, but there are moments of pure genius here that prove she is fully aware of everything she does almost to a scary degree at, at times. She's, she's just the perfect TV star in particular. I think of how smart it was in that moment where instead of bowing to sort of pleading and begging Manila to stay when she landed in the bottom and Manila was pulling lipsticks she didn't agree to the proposed alliance that Manila asked her for. She challenged her and turned it around to Manila and said, can you handle it? Win and beat me, bitch, which was genius. We have never really seen anybody do that before. So what do you think about Valentina's return and her approach to the game overall? Because it really was unique, I think. I love Valentina and her fantasy. I was a fan of her on her original season. I was a fan of her on All Stars. She's gorgeous. I love how ridiculous she can get and how smart and creative she is. Um, The fact that she was the one that said, instead of being Club 69, where they're so horny for each other, they're facing each other. What if they're so bougie that they face away from each other? Club 96 was genius. It was so funny. Um, So I just, I enjoy her. I, I never really feel like she's being disruptive on the show with with taking over and making it about her so i i guess i'm fine with it i'm just always enjoying it and also apparently she left everyone um signed headshots after her elimination which was (laughs) hysterical you can see in the background people like her headshots on the wall with her autograph after she left it's just it's funny i love her it's hilarious i really really need another season of valentina so putting that out into the universe but I think the biggest gag was Naomi Smalls eliminating Manila Luzon, the clear front runner who had won multiple challenges without ever appearing in the bottom two. Jillian, how much of a shock was that in the moment to you as somebody who came to this season way after it aired? So it was funny because I feel like I like blacked this out of my memory that this is how it went down, even though on this podcast i was re-listening to our season eight podcast and we literally talked to naomi about it but still like when it happened i was like oh my god i can't believe this is happening so i mean in the moment i won't lie like i was instantly pissed like outraged like i can't believe this is happening but then i'm like okay first of all you knew it was happening um and it's a tv show get over it but i mean it makes it really does make it so much more exciting honestly and i mean let's be clear Monet also had Manila's lipstick. Mm-hmm. So Manila being gone, it was not as shady as maybe it's made out to be. Yeah. Um, it just Naomi is the one that had to do that. And so yeah. it's really unfair to paint Naomi as a villain for eliminating right. Manila exactly. um, as much as I liked Manila in the competition. But mm-hmm. I mean, thinking of it as someone who casually watches Survivor, I think it is so interesting that it really ups the stakes in a different way that you really have to think about like if this is a contest that you're trying to win not just be on tv and not just please the fans like that is what you have to do heidi and closet was recently on an episode of the pit stop and she made the great point that when people say i don't want to vote for the i don't want to vote the best person out now because i want to beat them in the top but that if you 
pull a Naomi and kick Manila out, you just beat Manila and then you can beat more people in the top no matter who that is. So I think Mm -hmm. that it's a game and she played the game. So I'm, it was exciting. That is a great point. Props to Miss, um, you know, Professor of Drag Race Studies, Heidi and Closet. Yes. Uh, yeah, love her. Always love good Heidi the reference. Oracle. Well, there is nobody better to discuss this topic with than Naomi Smalls. And uh, luckily we have her plus Monique Hart for an extra brown cow stunning interview recapping All Stars 4. And after that, stay tuned for an extra special solo interview with Manila Luzon when we come back. Don't sashay away just yet. EW Binge Podcast will be back right after this. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back, dear listeners. I'm sorry we took such an extended break, but I had to literally wrangle Jillian off the dance floor. She was feeling Club 96's beats so hard that she threw her wig into the rafters. Either that or it was carried there by the buzzing wings of Latrice Royale's bees. We were sitting alone in the Club 96 VIP, but we now have some extra special exclusive guests joining us for a full recap of All Stars 4. Please welcome to the show Monique Hart and Naomi Smalls. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Jillian. Hi, Joey. Hi, Monique. Hello, everyone. That was perfect harmony. Uh, saying hello there. You guys have practiced. Yes. <laughs> Heart and legs of the season. Yes. <laughs> so let's let's get into it. Uh, it was so lovely seeing you all back on the show. Uh, Monique, though, you and Monet had a really immediate turnaround from season 10 to All Stars 4. After your original season, you spoke a lot about that you didn't have a lot of money to spend on your looks in your season and you really had to rely on your resourcefulness. But you came back with out a lot of time to cash in on your new fame, no real time to refuel creatively or emotionally either, I imagine, but you still managed to come back elevated, looking expensive, and do so well in the competition. How did you manage that? Were there benefits to going back so soon? So when I got the phone call to go back, I was like, um, should I go back? Should I not? A lot of people were saying like, girl, you should wait till you get more money. But I was really fortunate enough to have some really big gigs after I did season 10. And my best friend back home is a costume designer. That's what she does. However, she was working with someone from Miss Continental when I was getting ready for Drag Race. So when I went back, maybe I had my arsenal ready. Um, The whole like, you know, recharge creatively. 
I had so much I wanted to show. So I was just like, bitch, just please. So to have another opportunity to go, I was like, yes, ma'am, because my bag stayed packed after uh, I left, <laughs> thinking that I would get the phone call back. And then I saw the double Shantae and I was like, shade. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I was just like, ready. And you knew that brown cow stunning was going to be a thing. Like, so you had to make sure to prepare plenty of redemption for that. Um, I did not really think it was really going to be that ridiculous. I really was not living for it. I was slightly um, embarrassed. I was like, oh, I guess Aww. I could see the giraffe print. But it, it looked like a brown cow to me, you know, and being from the Midwest where I was living, I've seen that pattern. So... <laughs> You know, Michelle lives in Hollywood. No cows. Um, <laughs> so uh, when it came to the curves and swerves, I said, bitch, let's go big or go home. And my costume designer had already started doing, like, laying uh, fabric over foam and, like, creating shapes. I was like, let's do a curves and swerves. And then it was just, like, an iconic, legendary moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the season, it really did start off with a huge bang. I mean, the All-Stars talent show was, the, I think this is one of the best talent shows Very that true, All Stars the last ever had. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> um, I mean, both of you did really, really, really well. Naomi, I love that you sort of, we finally saw you starting to come in to the sort of weird and kooky side of fashion as opposed to just strict, you know, runway girl. Um, but Farah and Jasmine did not do as well, perhaps. Farah in particular, she fell very hard on the stage and Jasmine's set apparently did not go over well in the room either. So can you guys both take us back to those moments and the reaction in the room? Was it perhaps more intense maybe than what we saw on camera? I mean, that the stress before going on the runway that day was... I mean, no one wants to go home first. Like, no one wants to be that girl any season. Nothing against that girl. Just no one wants to be her. And I <laughs> remember talking to Jasmine and being, and like, just kind of getting in her head, like, what are you doing? And she said she's going to do stand-up. And I was like, oh, so you're going to be like, are you going to read note cards? Do you have it all memorized? Did you take an improv class? Have you practiced stand-up? She's like, no. And I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. But I did not expect like it to be that unprepared when it actually ended up on stage and then with Farah, i mean monique i'm sure you remember like just freaking out looking for like a shoe buckle like five minutes before <laughs> queen's walking to the runway you know and when you go on stage with that like unpreparedness franticness it's just a recipe for disaster so i wasn't really surprised that um Farrah's set ended in tears but i'd have such a soft spot for her and yes. even though I know it's all her doing of why she's in the mess she's in, I, 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 I love her <laughs> and I want her to get out of it. But at least she looked bomb. The bitch looked amazing. The I mean, if you go fall, that's yes. how you fall. You want to fall looking like that. And, and she's got a booty <laughs> to fall on, too. So we, you know. <laughs> yes. No, Monique, you, of course, won the challenge. And then in lip sync, you... <laughs> one of my favorite I won that one too. I don't care what, what none of these hoes say, bitch. I <laughs> ate her up in that lip sync. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Okay. Now, you did throw your wig up into the rafters where it got <laughs> almost stuck, set which... the building on fire. Y'all forget that fact. Well, no, see, that's what I want to know. They said, get it. It's synthetic. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? So, so did you, was that a complete accident? Like you weren't trying to get it caught up in the rafters? And how no. long did it take to actually get down? 
here you go. I went, you know, I've been stretching and working out and there's this little um, thing called a pike that works your core. So your hands are down, your toes are down and you pull the middle up. So I was trying to do that moving with my head, but I felt the lace slipping. So I just threw it up thinking it would be kind. <clears throat> and she threw roses in the air at the same time or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that though they just have like a wig stick like off to the stage. Maybe like they did, they weren't prepared. Like <laughs> a giant rod that they like unscrew and then they got up on a ladder and then he was like two or three times and couldn't get it and they got it and everybody cheered. It's like a carnival game or something. (laughs) Fishing for wigs. But when you're on stage and you have that feeling, it's there's just nothing, there's no way to explain it. Like when you feel that lace just slide or lift or anything, you're just like it's 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 like jarring. Whatever however many times that happens or whoever it happens to, it's just So you just improvise through it up there. I'm surprised you didn't just ask Naomi to walk over and grab it. It seems like she's tall enough. That I could have just gave her a booth. Yeah. <laughs> like little kids. Yeah. I mean, I was ripping off my wig too. So like, yeah. we're trench out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She did, girl. So, she pulled that wig off in that, that chair. I scratched. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. So the, the deliberation on this episode was interesting because, Monique, you were very direct. You told Farah that her crying annoyed you mm-hmm. and her change in attitude actually changed your mind when it came mm-hmm. to voting. Did all of you go into this with a voting strategy in mind or did you get any advice from other queens who had been on all stars before to on how you should approach the voting no send them hoes home <laughs> but They're now doing yes. that i would say that's not ugh, i don't know girl because <laughs> if you mess up one week i mean <laughs> the ace spoon coon sitting next to us is the doll home girl <laughs> Oh, we'll we'll yeah. get into that. Oh, we are gonna get into it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but like, did you did you prepare for the strategy of voting the way that you pre- would prepare for your runways or the snatch game? Did like was that something you had to really actively think about? Now that you've seen it happen in All Stars a couple times, or you just went in and felt the mood? Oh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> well, I'm still shocked by that even being a factor in the competition now. I was like, um, where should get white out? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Did you back some white out? <laughs> True icon, but I fully wanted to go in and play the game for myself. I knew that. I mean, it was easy for me because I didn't have anyone from season eight that I had like super strong ties to while I was there. I didn't feel guilt. Like everyone to me was kind of pretty much a stranger. Like, like that was Monique and I's first time meeting. Like Trinity and I, we mm-hmm. had worked together, but it wasn't really like we we're friends, you know. So I didn't feel like stressed out, like, oh my gosh, if I vote this person to go home or whatever. But bitch, if I was not lip sync, like I wanted to be every single week, I'm sure the top contender or whoever I wanted to go home would go the fuck home because that's how you get to the end. And that's how the crown is going to be at least more of an option for your head. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you, so you would have taken that strategy right from the very beginning. Because as we saw, I mean, that did not work out for Morgan McMichaels, who came out right out of the gate on season three and was like, I'm voting the the top bitch out every single week. And then they got rid of her. She was a fool because she's talked about it first. And that's (laughs) just not strategic. Agreed. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So we would have been stealth about it, but that still would have been our strategy. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, we did also start to notice around this time that there was one of the big narratives of the season was the Valentina fantasy, uh, which included these. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We had these really hilarious little moments that we were seeing on set. But what was like the wildest or funniest Valentina diva moment that we didn't see from the All-Stars 4 set? When she made the doll of all dolls wait, and then when she got on the stage, baby, this one arm took for Two full cuts and then looked at us on the side and then pumped down the runway, bitch. Wait, what is Okay, here you go. The people in the back were like, we have to go to like the main stage. And she was like, no, me more. The costume's not right. The garment is not right. Fix it. Fix. She told them to fix it. They don't know what they're doing. They like, oh. <laughs> is it right? And she was like, me more, baby. And then she... I said, I live. She's a queen. Do you remember which runway that was for? That was Curves and Swerves week. Oh, that was the Curves and Swerves week. Okay. That was... So she milked that entrance and made it even slower when she got out of the Baby, they cut it down. I was hoping they left every... It was the slowest arm, bitch. It was so time. It was time. That's so funny. That, yeah, that was a uh, that was a trip the whole season of watching Valentina. I can only imagine what that was like, you know, going through that week after week with her. But I think it was also clear that Miss Gia Gunn came in to make good TV. And she very quickly, uh, you know, stirred the pot with Pheromone in episode two. She came over to her makeup station and rehashed some drama before the main stage. Uh, but Monique, I thought it was really interesting that you stepped in and you asked her to stop. And we because we don't often see, I think, a lot of Drag Race queens stepping in to sort of stop a fight or or break up a fight like that. So why did that specific moment prompt such a response to you? And, and Naomi, what was your reaction in the room as well? Um, here you go. Um, I love that you just said that we generally don't see drag queens doing that. And the fact that I am melanated and deeply melanated. Ah! Coming to the rescue—that's a lovely narrative, you know. Because normally, yes, yes. you know, the white savior, so to have the black savior come through, girl. Ah! You and Heidi. Okay, um, no, for real, I'm not gonna let someone just get bullied and just get picked on. And clearly, she was getting in her head, and I'm like, wait a minute, this girl's on my team, and she already got two left feet, so I don't need you going to sabotage her and the context of what they were talking about had nothing to do with drag race. Then that's the facts. The issue was they had words or whatever that happened outside of drag race and this, that, and the third. Bitch, you should have handled that off camera because that happened, you know what I mean? Um, But she's a strategist and she know what she did, so she did it. (laughs) Naomi, how did you feel about it? I definitely did not want to see Farrah in like a upset headspace before because we were all on the same team and oh my god everybody say love was iconic we had so much baby fun and they hate it oh i loved it i loved it wow. um but yeah yeah i definitely i mean farrah was already stressing about what remember how much she was stressing about what wig to wear and she didn't want to like oh. get, like it like there was, she was like, like i don't know if i should wear this one I mean, that's why we were like 
girl, they both look pretty. Like, just put it on. She's like, but I just want to be a pop star. <laughs> well, I want to put, we have to, you know, make sure to send her all the love on this podcast right now. Because I know she went through a really tough time, too. Um, so uh, I really want to send out some positive vibes to her, of course. Yep. So the following episode was Snatch Game of Love, the first time the show changed the format of Snatch Game. I imagine learning of the format change might have altered your plans. Um, In particular, Naomi, your Wendy Williams really succeeded with the matchmaking format, uh, Mm -hmm. despite you maybe having some lasting trauma from doing New York on season eight, which wasn't quite as successful as your Wendy. But how did, how did, how did you you leave? (laughs) (laughs) How did the new format of Snatch Game of Love change the way you approached the game for, for both of you? Was it easier than doing the old way? I mean, I came prepared with like props that I could hide underneath the panel or like a wig switch, you know, just like those things that you want to have as options when you're there. But honestly, I think just going into Snatch Game a lot more prepared and a lot more confident with your character is really the selling point and will help you succeed. Because they haven't done it again, have they? Have they done Snatch Game of Love again? Yeah, yeah they, they did, did it, it with All Star Spy. They do it yeah. with Five. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I tuned out. Um, <laughs> but, um, Someone stopped watching. No, I didn't stop watching. I, that was just the, that was just the season. Uh, <laughs> but the Snatch Game of Love Day was honestly like one of my favorite days there. Just and not so much because I had like fun doing it, but we got to watch the other like other team go. Mm-hmm. Like remember, we got to be in the audience when they did the switch. So which that was. It really, it, it just makes you like calm down. I'm jealous you guys got to go second because we had to go first. But the second, oh. the, the second show was wild. It was a wild with Gia <laughs> and Latrice. Uh, yes. like, Which was a blessing for me. I was like, oh, <laughs> they are messing up. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But wild. Monique, did you, did you prefer the Snatch Game of Love format? You know, I just don't prefer the game at all. The Snatch Game game? Yeah. Yeah, I just, any part of it. Like, I just don't. I'm not good at impersonations. Uh, Like, you have to be able to volley and sit in that character and volley as that character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think you don't get it until after, like, you'll do the, you'll do Snatch Game on your original season and then it's done. And you're like, Oh, no, now I get it. Give me a few more questions. It's a wrap. Mm -hmm. You do Snatch Game of Love. You, like, if Naomi could have watched us, if she would have went second, she probably would have done something different because you're like, now I get it. But, like, once Mm -hmm. you've done it, you've done it. So it's just, I hate it. It's the worst game on the show. (laughs) But, you know, my Maxine Waters, iconic. Every time it's time to vote, she will be popping up. Okay. And, um... Tiffany had it. She did like, and I didn't go home. So praise God. <laughs> Have you? Did you hear from the real Tiffany Haddish about it at all? Yeah, she really does. She really did. She really did like it. <laughs> nice, good, very sweet. So I mean, yeah, and there is. It seems like so much pressure just because it is such a beloved segment for the viewers. Um, but 
Naomi, when you were on our on our podcast with Bob to talk about season eight, uh, you both gave us some tea that you had that Bob had. I think you called it a snatch game boot camp that he had helped you a little <laughs> bit prepare for Wendy. And that and you mentioned then that you had some of these props that you were planning. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you had wanted to do oh, and yeah. why you were putting so much pressure on yourself that you really wanted to coach and prepare for this? I mean, this the first time on season eight, I was just like, Snatch Game wasn't even on my radar for some reason. Like, I nef- I definitely thought I was going to make it to the end or had a chance to win. But, like, I for sure was, like, all about the looks and all about, like, the wig pre- preparation. And they still looked fucking garbage. So I really should have taken an improv class. But this going back for All Stars, I flew to San Francisco because that's where Bob was living at the time. I just knew I wanted help with reads. I wanted help with improv. I wanted help with um, stand-up help. That didn't help. But And I knew I wanted Snatch Game, like, Snatch Game advice, since Bob is just, like, just a the beast. The, mm-hmm. Like, she's the blueprint with Snatch Game. And we watched a ton of videos. We practiced. We made props. We had, like, these a cup that kept getting bigger with each answer. Um, she took me to <laughs> Ross and we bought like a, like a triple F bra and stuffed it with like polyfill, which is what they use to, um, like fill stuffed animals with. Um, so just like little things like that just made me feel a lot more confident walking into Snatch Game. And I'm very, mm. I wear flats on television and, you know, <laughs> there's, that should have oh been my a God. winning thing right there, you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I felt oh my like, God. I did feel a lot better the second time for sure. <laughs> well, it appeared, can you give us maybe an idea of, I think it was clear that Gio was maybe rubbing Latrice the wrong way, but watching it, both of you, what was that like in the moment? How how much was she sort of stepping on her lines beyond what we sort of saw? It, here you go. Both, I think, watching Eureka eat ketchup and RuPaul like turning around because he hates seeing people eat with like cringy so that same like the shift is going down. Yep. <laughs> You just like this is bad, girl. And me and Manila are just like, girl. I don't know. We both knew we won't going home because it was, you know. That's what we. That's the main goal: die another day. Hmm. So shortly after this episode, Monique is when you did send Latrice home the first time. We saw this really interesting conversation between Trinity and Valentina, where Valentina said that she could not vote for Latrice, even though she was good friends with Trinity, um, that she could not vote for Latrice over Trinity because Latrice was the dearly beloved. Was that a sentiment about Latrice that the rest of you felt as well, that her legacy made her in some ways untouchable? Or was that just Valentina? I think that was Valentina and Latrice's delusion in the head. You know, spirits jump from one to another. Uh, No, I didn't have none of them qualms. Here you go. I told Monet, which I wish I did, because I would be $100,000 rich. I was like, sis, we both need to get to the end. And you know, I mean, being the two girls from our season, quick turnaround, I really wanted to be there with my sister. But Latrice was bad. Mm -hmm. So I sent Latrice home. And that's all it was. 
until RuPaul came up to me the next day in the workroom and said, how do you feel about your choices? I said, so, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did what you had to do. I mean, I think it was clear, because I'm a, I'm a huge Latrice fan, and I think it was, you know, and I said this to her in her exit interview, it's like, it's clear there was something that was just not clicking. And she agreed at the time, you know, she was she like- She was getting it's, it's, married! Yeah, I, <laughs> she was distracted. Yeah. She won't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the let's go into the, I, I think the, the Monique and Manila lip sync. That was so emotional. I mean, Manila was clearly very invested in Latrice as a friend and she wanted to save her. But Naomi, we did start to see after this, you maybe started to take note of Manila's strategy or approach to the competition because you pointed out in the next episode that the track record didn't really factor into that decision, even though she was kind of open about that. So was this the moment though that sort of, planted the seed that led to you voting for her later? Had you maybe started thinking of it in that moment or was there something else? Oh, um, I think with, uh, I kind of just noticed, um, okay. So we worked together with the Jersey justice, Manila and I, and we had a really good time doing it. I had fun with that challenge. I thought we both like kind of killed it. And we, I mean, we went to like, we, we talked about it like off camera, all that jazz. And then, she was like, I think you're going to win, what, whatever. And then we went to the judges and they're like, mm, Manila ate you. And I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, I did kind of eat you. And I was just like, oh, I don't really, like, if we're not going to have, like, a trustworthy, like, back and forth, we're, we're clearly not friends, you know, like, in this competition. Mm-hmm. I also did not know yeah. you before this. So mm-hmm. um, maybe that was also a factor of going into, like, just making the decision for myself and not really looking at track record because Mm -hmm. my time on drag race that I've had in the past has always been like, you've done really well, but you haven't won. So I've never really wanted to even think about track record. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So Latrice was understandably disappointed at being eliminated. uh, But the next episode we get the Lala Perusa, which uh, as a viewer, at least, was one of the most exciting things I think the show has ever done in terms of redemption. Uh, Monique, were you surprised that Latrice picked you to battle? And do you know if any of the eliminated queens had sort of fought over which uh, queen still in the competition they wanted to lip sync against? No, I don't know if they had any like um, deliberation about it. I thought it was either going to be Gia or Latrice. But I wasn't shocked or surprised. I totally could have seen Gia coming back into the competition. Yeah. Oh, she did so good. She really did really well. In the lip. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't think that yours mm-hmm. was the tie, to be honest. I surely was because I hate the dream. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, you know, Naomi, the infamous backbend was also on this episode. Uh, was this a move that you practiced before the season knowing that you'd have to pull it out in a big moment or is it just something that you did in the moment it just came to you um definitely whenever i'm on stage it's not like i'm fully winging it but like i like to know the the song as well as possible to try and find little moments to do something to and i've been watching sierra do backbend since i was like in third grade you know so (laughs) i just have always wanted to try it in heels and um yeah it's a it's a cute party stunt to dip out just like a high kick just like a split just like a shablam you know it's just kind of (laughs) a moment you can have on stage to let the audience know that you know the song 
And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it hurts. It's definitely way done. I think it's better done on Evie because she's like bendy and like flexible like yes. that. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't hurt her. <laughs> like it hurts me. But the hair was right. Did she just... Oh, oh yeah. No, it was it was perfect. I get that. It was I get that comment on like so many of my photos or like tweets as Monique voice Naomi girl. <laughs> like it's it's, it's so cute. Yes, um, Monique. I think you might be the only person in history who survived telling RuPaul that you were going to look for her in the parking lot afterwards. Uh, and what what the was so when she said when you thought that you were eliminated did you think that that was it for you or did you think that there business baby i was about to be all the hood new yorker you from new york me too what's good what's good baby you want to play games with me i spent oh you trying to okay i got you (laughs) but i've I've met and seen rupaul's personal security guard that's a man you're not gonna just jump (laughs) on him okay Mm -mm. that's a risk Mm -mm. So you genuinely had no idea that you were that you were going to stay. That part was a, At all. a shock. To you. I was so I feeling? was so like I hit the floor. I was like, "Bitch, gag," because I worked really hard and I know that I ate that woman up. <laughs> you did well. Yes, you literally. Not did well, baby. Yes, ate actually, <laughs> a full course meal. You ate yes four, maybe five or six. Let's <laughs> let's take it up to five or six. <laughs> Now, the next episode was the fan favorite club design challenge. This challenge cracked me up so bad. I think everybody did a really good job. And this introduced Club 96, which looking back, it's weird because it's such a fan favorite moment and it has become so iconic. But it was actually, and I forgot about this, it was actually criticized by the judges, Atlanta, you guys in the bottom, it, which is so weird to me thinking about it because it do, it is so well received in the fandom. So I'm wondering if all of you... Do you maybe approach these challenges knowing that the fan base expects certain things or what hits online and you do things in the challenge that you think fans will turn into memes? Like, does that add a a certain pressure onto it while you're competing in the challenges? Does it add an extra layer to the competition? I think now, because of stuff like Club 96, and I'm just going to say outside looking in and she was reversed, so it's very what she's gonna see she's like that that's Naomi in a, in a sense in an essence very like ooh da 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 so when she said it I was like y'all it was the thing oh, automatically it was a it was the meme on set much like Banji. it was like Banji. it was Club 96 <laughs> you guys it, are saying it, it to each other <laughs> I think now you go on television going okay bitch what are my sound bites that was an organic one like, I know that the drag race uh, writing level of comedy is not always, like, matching up with the Naomi Smalls headspace. And I've, it's something that I've just kind of always been aware of. Like, my favorite shows are fucking, like, Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Not, mm. I'm not con- constantly referencing, like, Bugs Bunny and the Golden Girls, you know? So mm-hmm. I yeah. know, I, I've always <laughs> known that we're not necessarily on the same wavelength as far as that, but with those comedy challenges or with like really any challenge, like as a drag queen, my comfortable space is like being on stage, full look, play the track, you know? So 
you have to challenge yourself so much when you go into these writing challenges, acting challenges, comedy challenges, if that's not your gig. So I just knew that I wanted to try and do something that I thought was going to be funny and I could live with at the end of the day. Um, mm -hmm. Fully knowing while we're filming, while Michelle and Rita Ora are sitting in our VIP booth that they're not feeling <laughs> us. And we're absolutely going to be in the bottom. Yeah. Because, I mean, also Valentina, like, kind of had a bullseye on her head as well. So mm. I think we actually both did. Um, yeah. But I still had so much fun doing Club 96. How could you tell in the moment? Uh, I mean... It, it's great. I think I'm a very intuitive person. And I can tell when someone's not feeling what I'm putting down. And that's mm -hmm. their loss. But, mm. not sh I mean, she's... Club 96 will live on forever. And honestly, yes. like, bitch... The only one you remember. <laughs> I mean, it's really true. I was not watching the show live that season. I started watching it right after. And that was the thing I knew about this season. Like, even of all the other gags and ties and everything, I was like, oh, I can't wait to find out what Club 96 is because it's all I see on social media. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, now we have to rip the bandaid off and get to perhaps the most controversial moment of the season. The next episode was Naomi choosing to eliminate Manila. I know we touched on this a little bit before, but in, in the moment, what prompted you to pull Manila's lipstick? Uh, so after a few episodes after what we talked about last time, did, did you sense that you wanted to make this headline-making moment, or was it genuinely thinking she deserved to go in that moment? In that moment, I mean, Latrice was like someone who I had toured with a, a bunch. I didn't, I mean, it's not like we were like, I wasn't at her wedding. Like, we're not like friends' friends, but mm -hmm. she did save me the week prior. I didn't necessarily like Manila in this moment as far as like us being friendly in the workroom or anything like that. I definitely think she did the worst that week. And I knew that she was like a top contender. So she had more wins underneath her belt than I did. And she had to go <laughs> home. I, I definitely had got some advice like beforehand, just like from friends and whatnot. Like, cause my friends are also very cutthroat and it's just like, we're friends of survivor. We're friends of big brother. And it's like, Bitch, just play the game. I'm here to play a yeah. game. It's not like I kind of mm -hmm. hate when they reference it as like this is a television show because yes, it is a television show, but I'm a very competitive person. I reference it as like a competition. So yeah, the mm -hmm. that's just a, a very competitive move, and I think it changed All Stars in a way that mm -hmm. queens going on the show now can have that like in the back of their head. Like I should be playing this for myself. Like you only have one life to live, so why am I gonna like? care what some 12 year old is going to say about me online in my dms right. you know well i think it is important though to highlight i think what you went through after that because it's just it's it's never necessarily surprising to us because we know what this fandom is like but it it, it doesn't make it any less disturbing i think when we see this sort of backlash against individual queens so can you give us an idea of what exactly you went through after this episode aired and how that maybe affected you personally or your career. Ooh, um, okay. My relationship with social media, I look at it like a like a board game. Like it's not, it's really, it's not something that I'm going to bed with and like holding on to. Um, the only thing I don't necessarily love about the negative backlash or like comments, I mean, it's still to date, like you can post like anything and someone has negative to say about it. But what I would like to just like put this thought in somebody else's brain is 
I don't care about what someone says about me, but like the person who's like my biggest fan, like my mom, she reads everything. I tell her not to read anything, but she reads every comment and no mother should see like your son is a nigger faggot and his brother deserved to die. You know, it's just like, that's just not like, think about the things that you're putting online and do you want it to live on forever? Do you want your mom to read it? And do you want this screenshot to haunt you for the rest of your life? Because that's just gross. It's just, it's not a cute look. Um, not everything needs to be online. And that's something I wish I could um, project to these kids. But I also understand because I was 16 years old, like writing comments on Perez Hilton saying how much I love Lady Gaga, you know? Like I get how crazy you are when you're not an adult. Because that's what I think what a lot of this hate is. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of people feeling emboldened by, I think, the a anonymity keyboard. of it, too. A keyboard, yes, they feel like. But it's also like, it's an outlet for, it's not like, I, I feel like a lot of the times they don't even necessarily believe what they're saying. It's it's like this gives them an excuse to sort of take out this, this pent-up rage in ways that are just so disturbing and gross that they don't even necessarily really feel it, it's just it, it's so much to unpack and and sift through and i'm just really sickened and sorry that you guys have to go through this because it seems like it's just getting worse and worse and worse and i think the more you're open about it i think hopefully that can make some change and, and maybe stop one person from doing it um so thank you for being open about it i, I know it's it's you know a pretty tough thing to go through my favorite but, meme ever is imagine you find the love of your life and you find out they're one of those people that comment backlash on celebrities' Instagram comments. That's it's, ill. It's no. Yeah. No one wants to be no. that person. No, no. It's it's and you know that there's people that are in all of our lives that probably have like fake little accounts that we don't even know about. It's so disturbing. Like closet celebrity bashers. It's horrible. Chrissy um, Teigen. Chrissy Teigen. You, oh God. <laughs> Not this. <laughs> um, well, Naomi, how not just in terms of the fans, but how did that, this moment impact your relationship with Latrice afterward? Because I mean, Manila did fight really hard to prove that she wanted to save her because they were friends. So I imagine the elimination might've also um, made Latrice feel a certain way too. But like the Mm -hmm. thing is like when I sat down with Latrice, I fully was just like, I'm not sending you home. Like don't, you don't have anything to worry about if I win, you know? So that was pretty much like, me just sitting down and her, her telling her that. But so I'm sure she probably had some sort of comfort watching the lip sync, I'd imagine. Yeah. She, yeah. But like, yeah. I, I, I think that's something I would, I will say I regret is like maybe sitting down with Manila and giving her any inkling of like that she was in a good place with me or that she had a chance mm-hmm. for me to save her or like that, you know? And I, yeah, because it's just like, it wasn't honest. And I wish I was just like more honest in that moment. Mm. Well, let's, let's go to the finale, which unfortunately we did uh, lose Miss Latrice the episode prior, but the finale was really entertaining. Monique, you did a really lovely job as did you, Naomi, but uh, you know, after working so hard since your original seasons, I imagine it, it hurt really, really badly to make it all the way to the end it's so close, but so far. But what was the most validating thing, do you think, for both of you going back to All-Stars this season? Okay, I just have to say, the moment that when we got told that we weren't going to um, 
we weren't going to lip sync. Who are you? Can I? We absolutely should have just punched it. We should have just punched it. We should have <laughs> held hands and walked out. Why the hell did we stand in the back and watch those hoes lip sync? Why the fuck <laughs> did we watch those hoes lip sync? We should have just punched it, taken the mics off, and gone. You know? Yeah. That would have been so cool. Yeah. Um, uh, make it a moment. <laughs> but there's a, moment, a moment. There's a moment like when we're standing back there and we're just like looking at each other like, uh-huh. And I, I, I do like that. <laughs> no, they actually came back and said, hi, we need you to continue to act like you're enjoying your time here. Remember Ellen came back and she was like, you need to look happy on television. Like, what, girl? We checked out. Like, we're done. Yeah. It, we literally, like, clocked out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, All Stars 4 was just, like, how I say season 8 was. Like, it's, like, the most fun experience one of the most fun experiences I've had in my life. I love being sequestered. I love not being like a slave to my phone. I love like honing in on something that I'm so passionate about and that is drag. Mm-hmm. And it's legit like being at the Olympics. So I have no real complaints about my experience in the workroom on the runway. Um, yeah, I, I would do it. I would do All Stars 4 again. How about that? <laughs> Come Monique, in, the okay. <laughs> the even seasons are see she was on season eight, I was on season ten, all stars four. Maybe the even seasons are the bad. It's just math. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at any of the even seasons, they literally are. <laughs> well, what about you, Monique? What what do you think was the most validating part of, of being on this season? Um, I think the fact that no one counted me in to be top four. And I'm actually going to say I was top two and then got bumped down to top three. But <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I stamped my name in the world. And baby, Miss Brown Cow will forever be here. Baby, they're stopping me at the Lowe's, at the Home Depot. Brown Cow, you be like, <laughs> you are like a six foot four man. Like, you know what I mean? This is your daughter. Okay, fabulous, bitch. I mainstream. I made it. So uh, the fact that I was blessed and fortunate to go back, uh, I know that RuPaul loves me dearly. And his mm-hmm. sisters love me dearly as well as his niece. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, like, loved. And um, I thank God I went back when I did uh, because it provided me, I'm going to say, job security. And that job security kind of helped me during the pandemic. I was able to work. Um continued in the college market. We just went virtual. So had I went back for All Stars 5, like that man in Chicago told me to, girl, I would have been in the pay and damn, like, dear Lord, what the hell am I going to do? Because I take care of my mother. So God knows what he was doing. Oh my gosh, yeah, perfect timing. So my most important question of all, Monique, have you been able to face your biggest fear and do a cartwheel yet? Um... Actually, if we go back to the episode, the one where Todrick was doing the rehearsal, maybe they cut it out. I didn't watch it, but that was the episode that I did a cartwheel. And I believe I confessed out loud that I can go this way, but I can't go this way. So the arm is a little weak and, you know, so I did learn. I'm not good at that, you know. I can do a death drop. I just got to stretch. Still working on the cartwheel. (laughs) Then, of course, we have the double winners are crowned. Uh, how did you all feel about that when you learned that that was how it was going to go down? Happy. 
whatever. But when I found out they both got a hundred thousand, <laughs> I had to talk to the Lord for a long time to deal with that. Yeah. Okay, like baby, yeah. I was wrapped. Like, cause I, I remember there was a debate at the time where people were like, "Well, you're not going to give Monet or Trinity." Uh, like their individual right to reign. And and it's hard to make an impact as an individual. But how do you think, like watching both of them sort of succeed after the show, do you think they needed an individual win? Do you think that would have been better for them? Or do you think that it was better to have two of them representing the show that way? I'm going to say, I don't know about essentially what Trinity has done essentially like after the show, but I'm going to say, Monet necessarily didn't need her own or like either one would have worked because we see what she's done afterwards and like how she had her own show. And that was really amazing. Successful. Maybe she had one of the best reads on the show. Oh yeah. When she read Gia Gun Girl. (laughs) Period. Okay. So, um, I think she was a great representation, at least to black queer people. Um, black and queer trans people to say like this is what can happen after Drag Race. Um, I mm. felt after the robbery of Shea Coulee, um, season nine, it was great mm. to see black excellence like transcend just performing in a bar. So right. it was puss. Mm-hmm. I don't think Shea was robbed, but um, I think that. Monet- <laughs> <laughs> I think that Monet, when you're watching Monet, you like you. She's just such a good person. She's such a genuinely good, likable person, and is. that is such a quality. I think in what you want your winner to be. Uh, I think that Trinity is for sure a title holder, and that huh, was that. very bad. And she did that. And there's, and there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, I think that the crown or winning the show just means different things to the two different queens. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Monet, it really has been incredible to see what she's done because I mean, like Monique, you were saying the talk show. I mean, she got her own talk show. She got, she has the podcast. I mean, she's doing so well for herself. So it's really great to see. We stand. Um, We stand. Yes. Well, speaking of standing, uh, Jillian and I stand both of you, I think, even more, if that is even humanly possible after this episode. Um, But we shut down the club. We are the last ones on the dance floor at Club 96. Um, But uh, we want to thank you both so much for being here. We really appreciate your time, and um, we can't wait to talk to you again. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Don't go anywhere. Keep those lipsticks in your bras because we have an extra special interview with Manila Luzon coming up. Hello and welcome back to our extra special RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 4 recap. Jillian and I have momentarily stepped away from Club 96 and we're now sitting alone in the VIP and a new spot called The Hive. And we have a very special guest joining us as we get ready to pop some bottles and spill some tea on one of the best seasons of Drag Race All-Stars. Please release the Queen Bee and welcome to the podcast, Manila Luzon. Thank you so much for being here, Manila. How are you? 
I'm fabulous. Hi, everyone. Hi, Joey. Hi, Jillian. Hello. We're so happy to have you here. We are so excited to talk to you about All Stars this season. It was incredible seeing you back after a great run on your original season and after All Stars 1, which this podcast is on the record as loving the team season. Uh, but when you left that one, you looked, we'll say, mildly upset. You even accidentally knocked Jujubee's picture off the wall on your way out and on All Stars. <laughs> <laughs> so on All Stars 4, this was the first time anyone returned to do another All Stars season. So take us back to getting the call to do it again. How did you decide that you wanted to put yourself through it all over again? Um, I remember getting the call and I was like, um, someone at production was asking me like we we heard we heard that you said that you never wanted to be on another season of all stars <laughs> and i said no what no i never said that <laughs> i just assumed since i was already on a season of all stars that you know i wouldn't return because i mean there's hundreds of queens to pick from i don't know why i need to come back for more <laughs> so um i gladly said yes i was really excited because um a lot had changed since um i was on all stars one i mean it was like almost 10 years had gone by so i uh, a lot of me has changed i've had uh i've grown as a as an artist and an opportunity to be on another season would be amazing. So of course I agreed. <laughs> well, what were your discussions with Latrice before joining the season? Did you both decide that you were only going to do it if you both did it? Oh, I had no idea Latrice was going. <laughs> oh my God. I had no, I had no idea. No, some Queens are really close and they like to talk with each other. Um, but for some reason, I kind of still have it in my brain that like I have to follow the rules <laughs> and I have to like be careful and be hush hush. So I didn't tell literally I didn't tell anyone um, except for maybe a few costume designers because, yeah. you know, I was like, hey, can I get some costumes? Man? And they're like, oh, no, I'm really busy with all stars. And I'm like, OK, well, maybe you uh, maybe if I tell you that I'm going to be on the next season of all stars, will that change your mind? Will that free up some space? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I had gotten an idea that Latrice was going to be there, but I had no idea until like very, uh, like until like right before. So, mm -hmm. so, it wasn't. so what was that reunion like when you, cause you guys entered handcuffed together. So what was that reunion like when you both first uh, saw each other backstage? Um, they have us all show up on the morning of like fully done. Mm-hmm. We all get escorted in individually, like very top secret. Um, no one can see each other. And so I'm waiting in my little holding area. And then someone was like, hey, um, so uh, by the way, Latrice is here too. And I was like, what? <laughs> and we want to know if you guys would be comfortable walking in together. And I was like, sure, whatever you want, whatever you, whatever. I'm just happy to be here. I'll do whatever you want. Um, but I remember Latrice and I both thinking like, oh, well, damn, like we have to share our entrance like I had an entrance line all prepared. <laughs> what was um, your entrance line? I had no idea at this point. It's been years, baby. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the show is now, you know, canon. Yeah. So I don't anything that anything that I was thinking of doing before was was uh, was out the window. So uh, I remember Latrice and I were like, "Oh, we have to we have to share this like moment of glory," but. It was a lot of fun and it was great to meet up with someone before you walk into, you know, like the gladiator Coliseum. Yeah. Uh, you, ha you 
you're with someone. So it felt a little more comfortable, mm-hmm. I suppose. Off the bat, Naomi called you her lady buddy and talked about watching you on TV when she was in high school. Did you feel going in as someone several of the queens looked up to before they even maybe started doing drag put you at an advantage or a disadvantage? Um, in the moment, I was having a hard time like grasping that idea because at that point, I've already watched them on their shows and on their season. So I, I'm already a fan of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of us work work uh, gigs together. We tour together. So I view most of my competitors as um, colleagues and at the same level as me. So it was kind of weird to think like, oh, yeah, like some of these girls didn't even start thinking about doing drag until they already watched me on two seasons of Drag Race already. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't even really kind of put that together. So it definitely is an honor because uh, it is one of the things that I wasn't really expecting to, you know, inspire queens, like how I was inspired watching other queens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was an honor to be called a lady buddy because I, I love lady buddy. Yeah. She's one of my biggest heroes and one of the drag queens that I can look to to be like, okay, when I am a hundred years old, I can still be doing drag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good queen to aspire that's next to year. Next year I turn. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hope we can come to the party. <laughs> yes. um, so in All Stars 1, I, one of my favorite parts of the season was really getting to see your friendship with Latrice start from scratch and really blossom. And then in All Stars 4, mm. It was so sweet to see how much that had developed to the point that you were unwaveringly loyal to her, even though you were now individual competitors and just so upset uh, at the thought of of losing her. So you didn't know that you were that the other was was going to be in the competition with you, with you. But was there any point where you like huddled in the beginning to to kind of make a pact and and have each other's back, or how did that work? Um. No, we didn't like sit down and be like, okay, here's our strategy. No, it was just always, it's just me. Like I'm, I'm a Leo. I'm loyal to a fault as we all know. (laughs) Um, And it was really important to me to have my friend there. Um, I felt like going in, it was like, there was a lot of these younger Queens. So, you know, like the people that I'm most comfortable with was going to be the ones that I have the longest history with, the ones that I have the friendship with. And from what I learned from doing season three of Drag Race is that those friendships and that that sisterhood that you build is actually way more important to me personally um, and longer lasting than whatever happens in the competition. I, I've become such great friends with some of my competitors on season three that going into uh, All-Stars... I knew that um, that was something that I wanted to keep. Um, on All-Stars 1, because of the whole team situation, I wasn't able to uh, make the as strong of connections as I was able to on Season 3 because we were forced into teams. So the only really other competitor that I was able to interact with at a constant level was Latrice. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I could like talk with, you know, say like, Yara Sophia or Chad Michaels, but it was Latrice who I was spending all of my time with. So that friendship and that relationship formed really solidly in that season. Um, so I, I knew that friendship was going to be important. Latrice is one of my closest friends since the show. And I knew that I wanted that person as 
long in the competition, as far in the competition as I could, uh, as we, we could go, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because like, it, it was like a little bit of like a, someone there to hold your hand, a security blanket, someone that you could like turn to that you knew had your back in and out of the competition. So that was important to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was also interesting seeing you in a new context in All Stars, though. I, you did have this great loyalty with Latrice, and you guys did compete against each, or, or with each other in All Stars One. But as an individual, you started to really shine very quickly in this competition. And then Snatch Game was a really great episode for you. You'd really hit a stride with the challenges early on. But strategy started to come into play on this episode as well. Um, When Valentina was pleading her case for why you should save her when you landed in the top, you then floated the idea of a possible alliance. If you were to save her now, would she save you in the future? And she comes back with a challenge instead of just agreeing with you to keep her around so you can say you beat the best. So were you shocked by that? And did you end up and why did you end up saving her anyway, despite that seeming like a very strong threat to your standing in the competition if she ended up doing well again. The thing with um, All Stars up until that point is that they hadn't really kind of, the show really hadn't kind of figured out how the queens are supposed to play the game. Yeah. You know, like I'm a huge fan of Big Brother on CBS. And so I I know that alliances are super important. And in All Stars, that hasn't really been that big of um, a thing. You know what I mean? Like there has, it really hasn't cemented like that's how we play the game. I feel like in the, in the more frequent seasons or in the newer seasons that uh, that's starting to, to play a little bit more into it. Yeah. But like, I was just, you know, testing the waters to see like, Hey, if I scratch your back, will you scratch my back? Cause I know at some point I would end up falling in the bottom. And I know that some of these Queens have the, chance of you know winning and being in the top at that point uh at that point valentina had already won a challenge so um yeah i I thought i would test the waters but in all reality i was never going to send valentina home it was it was time for miss gia gun to go home we all knew it (laughs) i i had heard that from trinity that she was outright going to just keep valentina because they had their their season nine sisterhood Mm -hmm. going and i knew that hey if I entertain the idea of possibly sending home either one up in the air, we don't know. Um, you know, that last moment when you pull that lipstick out of your bra, like that will be like, a ooh, is it, it's going to be a shocker. Yeah. As opposed to like, oh, we already know that Trinity's going to pick Gia. Mm-hmm. Which then would mean that I would win the lip sync and I would win the money. So it was a strategy for me to win the money by pretending to play the game. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yes. I wanted the I wanted the money. I knew that I could probably <laughs> beat Trinity, but I knew definitely I would definitely beat Trinity if it's up in the air. Like, who's she gonna pick? I don't know. We don't know. Keep the audience on their seat to the very last minute. Very well. Because played. we all knew that we all knew that Gia Gunn was the worst in that snatch game challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it it would it would make it very interesting for the audience to know, you know, 20 minutes into the show that Gia Gunn's going home. So mm-hmm. I just played it. And that money went straight into my bank account. (laughs) So speaking of, so you say that you knew that Trinity, who she was going with, and we saw this season pretty consistently. We we saw the two top two queens consulting with each other a lot more than we ever had in past All-Star seasons. And in fact, I think the Mm -hmm. only 
time that the two tops chose differently was when Monique won and voted out Latrice. And while you had chosen Monet during that lip sync, did you go into that lip sync knowing you both planned to send the other's closest friend their home so that it really upped the stakes as much as it did for viewers? And did you truly think that Monet performed worse than Latrice in that challenge? Was it entirely based on friendship or was there some other strategy involved in your choice? No, um, my my decision to choose Latrice over Monique, I love Monique. She's one of the most fantastic queens from our season. I thought everything that she did was uh, just full on meme worthy television. Um, but no, I, I was just going to choose my friend before because I am loyal to a fault. Yeah. <laughs> if, I knew it was going to kick me in the ass eventually, but I wasn't going to be a ginger minge and, you know, say like to my friend, like, Oh, I love you in my butt, but I'm not going to, I'm going to vote for you off. Um, uh, because I knew that like, how am I supposed to look at my friend in the face? Yeah, I knew that yeah. I didn't fight for her because the thing about it is that like on all stars one, we fought for each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to save Latrice with my lip sync against Jujubee on All Stars 1. Right. So, in the bottom of my heart, I wanted to be able to save Latrice from this moment as well. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to do it. Luckily, Latrice was able to save herself and come back on her own accord. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was that was my that was my thought. I. I, I Everyone wanted to go on like how people were performing and whatever, but like, what were we factoring? Were we factoring like how well in the beginning we were like, oh, how well did you do on your season? Um, I thought that was kind of like bullshit because like anyone that made the top three or top four could have been only the top three or the yes. top four. Mm -hmm. I was the last person in all of Drag Race history that could honestly say that I was the runner up mm -hmm. because, you know, like there wasn't a, oh, a, a lip sync battle in front of a live audience. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I knew that it wasn't about like what we did in the past, but you know, we factored that stuff in. I don't know. I know that Latrice had so much to offer and um, I knew more about Latrice than I knew about Mon Monique at that time. So yeah. I went with Latrice. Mm -hmm. So even just in terms of this season, you were the front runner based on track record and a lot of fans thought you would take the crown until the moment that we have to talk about Naomi pulled your <laughs> lipstick, uh, the shock of the season. Fans really came after Naomi after that, although Monet had also chosen your lipstick your lipstick if she won the lip sync. Um, if, if, if she won the lip sync. <laughs> Girl, she wasn't going to win no lip sync standing there like Charlie Hyde's standing there with her umbrella. Bullshit. Oh, no. She wasn't going to win no lip sync. She was no threat. <laughs> yes, but Miss Naomi Smalls, um, yeah, I knew that she was going to send me home. I knew that if I was ever in the bottom, that they would send me home. There was, I mean, I'm not stupid. I was in a cast of Queens. Um, when it was, it was Snatch Game. When I, when I did very well in Snatch Game, I was like, this is the hardest um, challenge in this whole competition. And I won it. I was deathly afraid of Snatch Game and I won that. So I was like, oh, okay. Okay. All right, so I, I'm I'm at a different level than the rest of these queens, um, and then, then then the roast came along, and then I was like, oh okay, yeah, all right, I'm at a completely different level than all these other queens. So I knew that I had a huge target on my back, and that's why in the beginning of the season, I you know kind of kept it on the on the down low, like 
Mm -hmm. I kind of like threw away the, the singing challenge, even though everyone knows that I have 10 years worth of music. Um, but, you know, I just kind of like kept it simple, try to keep, try to play it a little bit cool. And then when it was time for me to go, I went. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was I knew that I was going to go home when I was picked in the bottom. But to clarify, are you saying that you think Monet threw the lip sync in some way or just... No, no, no. She's just a terrible lip syncer. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I knew that I was going home. Uh, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, it actually worked out better for me to be sent home because it, it gave the show like... Uh, it, it was like a big upset. It was actually quite yeah. fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think as we know, this fandom takes the show very seriously and very they personally. Do. Naomi did end up getting a lot of fan backlash after that moment. How did you feel about how that was playing all out in real time? Seeing fans actually going after her online for for doing that. Well, I was I was completely unaware at first because. Maybe I'm not reading everyone else's comments and stuff. Um, so I was getting a lot of love. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is great. Um, and I also like reached out to Naomi. Um, she was actually, she starred in my music video that was released that right. day that yeah. I got eliminated. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that, I thought that people had known like that they figured out that this is just a game or whatever, but people really did take it seriously and they really did send her a lot of hate and I felt really bad. And, and I and I felt kind of a little like grossed out because, you know, this is not what this is not what the show is about. But like, you know, ultimately, like we all we all put ourselves out there when we go on the show and we all know what can happen if you do something crazy on the show. Yeah. Like people, it will stick with you forever. Uh, whatever you what you do on the show will stick with you forever. It's probably one of the reasons why I didn't send home Valentina because I don't need to get hate from Valentina fans. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> was there was there a lasting impact on on this moment and your relationship with your sisters? How how is this cast now? Um, I talk, I speak with uh, many of them. We've been on tour together. We've yeah. done projects together. I think that now, um, I think before when I was on season three, like there was still only like. 30 drag queens in the entire franchise mm -hmm. now there's hundreds so you can pick and choose like you can be on a show with someone and you, you don't have to become best friends with them you don't have to go to brunch with them girl right so it doesn't really matter to me um if we have long-lasting friendships because the friendship that i really truly wanted i still have and yeah. latrice and i are doing great mm -hmm. we have our podcast mm -hmm. together the yes and we've been doing projects together, and uh, it's been really fun. And hey, when uh, Naomi and I get cast on a, a tour together, we will perform together. Sure, it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot wait to see that. And did you, but did you believe, do you think, in your heart of hearts at the time, if Naomi hadn't eliminated you, do you think you would have won the season? Or is that something that's, that's sort of difficult to, to reflect on? I have no idea. I'm sure... I, I, I don't I don't know. I could have. I, I feel like I had I had what it took to win the season. Mm -hmm. But then again, I thought I had what it took to win season three and All Stars won. So I actually, because I've never won a season, I actually know what it's like to lose a season more so than the other, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But the thing about it is that like when you lose the season, it's actually good because your fandom really loves rooting for you. Yes. And when you mm -hmm. win the season, 
there's no reason for them to root for you anymore. So I found that lots of lots of fans end up turning on the winners so quickly that hey, honey, I'm happy that I didn't win because the fandom is is very toxic sometimes, yeah. and it really can affect uh, affect us in such negative ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm happy that I, I I still lose. They're still rooting for me. My fans have been quite amazing. So um, I'm I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. And even without winning the crown, you're undeniably an all star of this the whole franchise. What was the most validating thing for you doing All-Stars 4? Are you, in the end, are you happy that you did it? Of course. Yeah, I would do it again, too. Like, it's such a fun experience. And I was really happy that I was able to go back because um, when I was on the show in the beginning, it was 10 years ago, the show uh, was a small little show on on an extended cable network. And now it's on a huger network. It's being streamed all over the world. Yeah. So getting to go back was a great way to reintroduce myself to a bunch of people that may not have met me or know my uh, drag because the seasons are so old, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it was it was uh, great to be able to go back, especially after a long time. Like when I went back the first time, I, I had only been like, I was, I was just on TV. I'd only been like a year, like season four had just ended and we started filming uh, all-stars one so like i didn't have enough time to grow i didn't have enough time to evolve i didn't have enough time to um re- refine my craft so i was happy that i was able to go back after such a long yeah. time yeah no it was really everybody was really excited to see you back you're you're one of those queens that just this fandom will never stop loving i feel like you just i mean Aww, you no, no they, they, lo- they love me and i love them do. back and it's a it's a symbiotic relationship yes. uh-huh. i suppose <laughs> well it is and it's great to see all that you have done after the show i mean the chop is just it's it's great i mean your music but you also have this really exciting project coming up and i'm not sure how much you're allowed to say about it but we would love to get a preview of drag den uh because i am just i'm so excited for the philippines getting a drag style competition show so what can you tell us about what is in store for that show um I can't say much, but we are going to be auditioning very soon for some very talented queens. Um, when I went to the Philippines several years ago, I was amazed at the talent and the dedication that these queens were putting into their art form of drag. And I was really definitely trying everything I could to to help showcase and and shine a spotlight on them. So I'm excited that we are going to um, create an opportunity similarly to how um, RuPaul and World of Wonder have given to me. I'm I'm so excited to be able to give back in some way. Um, And in the Philippines, the drag scene is still quite small and underground. So I'm excited to bring it to the forefront um, and hopefully they will have a similar journey that I've had and that the rest of us queens have had. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll take over the world. Yeah. One little island at a time. <laughs> well, we can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see what else you have in store. I know it's going to be something great. But for now, we will release the queen bee back into the wild. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your insight. <laughs> um, we, we love and appreciate you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Manila. Bye. Thank you.
I think even though Monet and Trinity had the crown on All Stars 4, we are officially crowning Jillian, myself, Moni, and Naomi as the ultimate queens of EW's Binge Podcast because we love them so much and we love ourselves so much. So thank you so much to them for joining us. Uh, We are, as we said, we are shutting down the club. Club 96 is now, everybody's filing out. Jillian, do you think we can now finally go home? Joey, we just got invited to an after party with Henny and non-American singer Rita Ora. The theme is My Best Judy, hosted by this sweet old vet named Dave who really wants to tell us about some fun pills. Your line readings never cease to amaze me. Well, bo- both of our wigs are also now fully up in the rafters, and there's no one left to help us get them down should we have invested in some duct tape. Well, I had some, but I had to use it on my tuck. Sorry. It's very <laughs> meaty. <laughs> oh, thank you, as always, to our beloved queens for joining us today, Monique Hart and Naomi Smalls. And thank you to our cherished listeners for indulging our French vanilla fantasy once again. Join us next week as Jujube, Blair St. Clair, and Shea Coulee turn the heat up to a sensible 74 for a sizzling recap of All Stars 5. Ta-ta for now. Release the bees. <laughs> that was a bee. <laughs> Keep that in. Cloudy weather, ooh!